Good morning, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, quite interesting. Everything was looking sort of okay. And then I think you said you went and had some breakfast and everything just went absolutely down the tubes. Um, what's going on? Mate, everything went peaked on. Peaked on. Right. Get that introduction out of the way. Let's have a look at the charts because this is exciting. Okay, so we're going to just take a quick look at the charts and then just go through some of the news and try and make sense of what's going on. I mean, I think that's probably our best bet. Uh, okay, this is the first time I'm doing this, so just bear with me. Okay, so let's kick it off with um, what I think is probably leading the charge here, uh, in my opinion, is that... You know, you got the, the Dixies showing a lot of strength. Um, kind of kicked it off Tuesday, Wednesday, um, almost like it was total total risk off. And showing tremendous strength. I mean, that's the only thing that I can, can that I can see from the trade fire that might be contributing to you know Bitcoin's weakness at the moment. Um you know, obviously, there's there's the whole narrative around the whales playing their games, which they always do. But it just seems like, you know, the range is definitely being set for Bitcoin at the moment. Uh, we we really are in a situation where. Let me just find this uh, BTC USD chart okay. Yeah, and this is also one of those great times where you, you you take your eyes off the charts for for a few minutes, or you don't, or you listen to too much noise, and then it can really bite you. Because when you do, I was looking at this morning, we really do look into into charts a bit more. You can kind of like see where the patterns are, see where the the um, sort of like the, the breakdowns may may occur. And a lot of the times, and I recharted it this morning, like just the simple trend lines, and it's it's following them, and it's following them to a T, and. Um, Bitcoin, sorry, Ethereum broke her line today, and then that's when she just absolutely plummeted. Um, but this is—it's been—it's big, been a big lesson and an eye opener to me. Get away from the shit coins, as as fun as they are, they they take you away from what you're actually supposed to be looking at, and that's the bigger, bigger, better, more badass charts like like the the, the king and the queen, and then everything else because you slow down, you can see it, man. It's so painstakingly there for you. So what's interesting, I mean, so what's really interesting about, you know, like the the reference point that we make, you know, around the, you know, the SPX is that it really hasn't had a bad few days. I mean, it's had a good week, you know, it's just been in a, it's been up only. I mean, it's, it really has, look at that. It's just completely recovered from you know what was a whole lot of you know nuking and it's just looking really good and we saw that obviously with with bdc i mean btc did really well over the last 10 days um and it's just it hasn't really like found the same momentum that that the spx has you know there really is no there really is no clear correlation almost you know we've been correlated so strongly with tradfi and and spx and it almost seems like the last couple of days it's gone out the window obviously we need to give it some more time i know that there's you know a lot more guys on the technical aspect that will say listen just give it more time 
but right now it really does seem like we are decorrelated in the opposite direction unfortunately yeah i tell you what that's one thing like it really does get on my tits um it's people like, oh just give it some more time give it some more time give it some more time yeah sometimes the more time you give it the further it goes down i know that's yeah. it can be the other way but um oh why is this not working it's it sometimes just feels like um uh, a lot of larp but if you do if you go back to the spx real quick which really interesting to see and i don't know if um bitcoin and crypto is is about to front run it but for me just looking at that it's like almost teaching on the edge it wants to it wants to come down it, it, it's on that verge of people wanting to take profits and i mentioned this in our newsletter a little bit earlier like if you are now if you zoom in right into the rsi which is an indicator i personally quite like to use a lot so you can see if people are if it's overbought if it's oversold you know where it's going um if you change that to daily please sir so in theory on the daily what you can see here is you can see it's been following its uh, yellow its yellow like trend line quite nicely on the rsi yeah. Yeah. see it almost wanted to come down um to push past it but you can see how it's just flicking up a little bit now what's be really interesting is to see over the duration of today um before america actually opens or where futures uh, will be because i know yesterday in america it was a little bit it was a little bit slower um and the spx it's both the spx and um nasdaq closed 0.2 percent up which might be losing a bit of steam which is maybe why uh, crypto and bitcoin is is front running any kind of dip i don't know um but we'll, we'll go and talk to it a little bit later about um the options expiring but in my mind i'd i'd, I'd have liked to have seen well, i guess as we all the the spx have maybe today and then the start of next week is a bit more is a bit more up but let's uh we'll just have to wait and see so i mean if you if you had to if you had to guess in light of what it is that you're seeing on the charts at the moment particularly you know from spx and obviously the dixie i mean what do you reckon i mean just as a wild guess i mean we're not going to hold you to it if you get it wrong but we'll definitely hold you to it if you get it right I mean, <laughs> where do you think this, where do you think do you honestly think that we are from the crypto perspective front running what's coming has that when was the last time that actually happened if that's the case so there's two questions <laughs> yeah uh i'm gonna say poor oh, it's a it's a big thing i'm gonna punt it out there and say yeah i think crypto has just front run it um let's have a quick look on here the futures are already down uh, in the US now. If you look at the uh, ES1 exclamation point, which is the S&P 500 e-mini futures, which yeah. usually gives a rough indication of, of what's going to happen. Then if we have a look at um, if we look at Hong Kong, they're open at the moment, so they're down 0.88 of a percent. So what I've always found is like a massive correlation is how the you know how the Asian markets open sometimes or a lot of the time can then dictate how the rest of the world opens so the fact that american futures are down uh asia is down europe is down i am gonna say that the smp in americas will be down today bitcoin and the crypto has front run it um and yeah i i think we're gonna unfortunately have a have a day of red but i hope i'm wrong 
I really do hope I'm wrong because, yeah, because we, we like seeing green. We like seeing green. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say, yeah, we're, we're in for a little bit of a doom and gloom on a Friday. Okay, so this is a chart that I don't think many people know about. Um, it's fun. Uh, it's definitely not healthy, but it essentially is a cumulative reflection of all the perps exchanges uh obviously central exchanges and this is obviously the eth the eth chart and it shows your liquidations and your shorts at the bottom here and yeah i mean it's just interesting to watch obviously the price action and the tick on the right hand side uh you can see there's a lot more red here than there's green and these are all trades that are a hundred thousand dollars plus um see there's a 1.6 million purchase uh, in green but you know the predominance of red is very obvious here you know it's like at this point in time anyway so it's really fun to watch it's on the 10 second which is which is once again rather silly but you can change the times on it um you know you can do whatever you want here uh in terms of the times and it's really cool to watch in terms of you know what's going on in the market it gives you a good reflection um especially on price action uh just moving on um obviously quite a quite a, a big indicator and in line with you know a lot of the discussions that have been happening in the market over the last month month and a half you know has obviously been the ethereum merge and you know the significance thereof and how ethereum i mean has definitely shown incredible strength against bitcoin but I think anything you know that 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 has the kind of narrative that the ETH merge has would be, you know, really giving Bitcoin a run for its money. But what's really interesting about this, um, you know, and it's it's kind of like a, a little bit of a a tease thing, a little bit of a troll thing that I've got going on Discord and obviously on Twitter as well, is that, you know, it's it's fun to make fun of of how Bitcoin always leads the charge, you know, irrespective of what the the narrative might be around the ETH merge. And it was just really reflected quite strongly, you know, the, the lob slash troll around this whole thing this morning in terms of how Bitcoin just, you know, completely nukes and ETH just follows, you know, straight away. Um, and everything does. And it's, it's despite that though, I mean, in, in favor of ETH's, you know, very, very good run, you know, this, this ETH, the ETH BTC chart, chart obviously speaks to that. Um, but we have seen quite a bit of weakness over the last few days. And, you know, the question is now with the weekend coming up with your prediction as well, you know, are we going to hold this level here? Um, and I have my doubts Whoa. as to whether we will. Because if, if uh, my, my, so. my take, my take <laughs> on this thing is... I hope he says yes. Yeah, but what is rational, you know, what does the rational tell you? You know, the rational for me tells me that maybe Bitcoin has definitely lost lost its steam and we might land up going back to those lows. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that are saying that, you know, these are the lows, you know, 18, 19 are the lows. We're not going to see them. We're not going to see anything lower than that. Um, 
But there's a bit of a way to go from 22 down to 19 or 18 and a half. And it'll be interesting to see if we do do that, you know, how ETH is going to be effective and affected and how ETH is going to perform going into this merge or whether it will just land up being a scenario of sell the news before the news event arrives. Um, on your um, on your Bitcoin chart, can you just flick it to the weekly and high canasi? Uh, how do I do that? I've got the weekly on now on uh, yep. terms of indicators. To... No, so if you get off that, if you go to where the, the left of the indicators where it's got the candles. Uh, so if you yeah. so you say where you had like the indicator button at the top. Yes, this. Yeah. Yeah. So if you click that, so this will give us uh, a variety of different candles. If we go to Haikanasi or Haikanashi. I just call it a pine of Asahi. For my uh, Japanese beer lovers there. Why am I not seeing it here? Uh, this one here. Yeah. So this yeah. is a super, and if we just make it a little bit bigger. So this is like a super useful candle. I highlighted it in some of the analysis we did in the uh, newsletter. Because essentially this measures trend. And, you know, within any trend, you can sometimes see, you know, on let's say an uptrend or a downtrend, you can see red, red candles, green candles going up and down. What this is doing here is this is kind of like breaking it all down and merging it into into one. So you can see how we had that massive run of red into the last four weeks of green. Now, what's super interesting now to see on here is if we look at this week's candle, it is heavily indecision because the wick to the north and to the south of it are basically the same. So yes. that the so. Basically, the market hasn't got an absolute clue what's going on here. So what's mm. going to be really interesting with the close of business today going into tomorrow and then Sunday is what color candle that'll be. And then depending on what color it is, what is the strength going to be like? Because you can see we've had four clear weeks of, of uptrend. So is this going to be a small natural pullback? Who knows, man? But this is if, if, if you don't have this in your technical analysis, Sometimes yes. it's quite cool to look on a, on a macro scale so you can see the bigger the bigger overall trend. But it's a super useful tool. Cool, thanks. I, I didn't know about this tool. I mean, I obviously saw it in the newsletter. And when I looked at the graph, when I looked at the charts that you put up, I was like, wow, this looks really clean. And I should have mm -hmm. actually questioned you on that. Um, so thanks for, for showing me that. It really does give you a good idea. You, you're 100% correct. It's, it's, it's a much clearer... Um, and almost takes away the the untidiness of it, you know, like because it does get quite messy and it has been messy, um, if that makes any sense. So yeah, thanks, okay. thanks for that. Um, okay, so just moving on from that, I mean, what is the what is the um, what are the main news items at the moment? I mean, let's not be doom and gloom. I'm sure there's some some positives out there for us to look at. Uh, I think you brought up a whole lot of news items uh earlier on do you want to just go through those at the moment yeah i think one thing we should touch on is the whole the whole because it keeps unfolding more and more it's the is the whole story around um tornado cash um mixers and the way it's all been handled and then i'll be super interested to find out what your what your opinion on the whole situation is and how like crypto mixes and privacy within crypto goes from here um, I think the 
Listen, I don't think it's an easy question to answer. I think this is a, um, I mean, it's there's so much around this topic. My thoughts around it is that there really needs to be, there really needs to be accountability around, you know, the kind of stuff that needs to be accounted for. And that is, you know, when somebody gets hacked or, you know, we want the space to be functional for people to be able to use it and to feel that they're safe within that space. But then how do you do that um, without being in a situation where privacy is obviously compromised and people's identity and safety around that is compromised? And I think that's where the real the real challenge comes in. Um, I think there needs to be a compromise between the two. I don't think it can be either or. Um, and it can't be either or because then we'll never get mass adoption because people in general do not have the responsibility or the inclination to to take self-custody to the level that it needs to be in order to be safe in terms of their privacy, in order to be safe in terms of their security when interacting with any kind of market, whether they're buying something you know, at the general store that's online, you know, when they're buying something on Amazon, they want some kind of safety that they're going to spend their money, they're going to get delivery. And in the event that they don't get delivery, that there is some kind of recourse. At the moment, crypto does not afford you that, that I'd say it's a privilege in many ways. And that security to be able to buy something on the, on the level of insurance and peace of mind. So how do we bridge the gap? And are the two mutually exclu exclusive? What I mean by that is, do you have to have regulation and some kind of KYC in place in order to protect people? You know, if you do, then it's inevitable that we would go down the regulatory path. But if it isn't, then by all means, I would welcome, you know, completely you know, decentralized way of being. And that is that I take my own custody into my own hands and all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely on the fence on this. I haven't, I haven't engaged with enough of the podcasts, literature um, that, that, that is looking or that are looking at these points in order to formulate an opinion around it. I'm just aware of the issues and you know, the challenges that are being faced in the space when it comes to, yeah, not, and to, to be anonymous, to be private, to be, you know, all those good things. And what is the price that you pay in order to have those in place? And then what do you think about, like, do you think it was right that the developer of this um, was arrested last week? Like, what's, your, what's your opinion on that? I think that's bullshit because that's completely contradictory to creating first of all a platform in order for these discussions to occur because the discussions need to happen they need to happen in light of you know the concerns that i've just raised what are the concerns what are the challenges around this thing you don't solve those problems by going and arresting somebody who wrote a bit of code and the argument comes in and and and, and it's a very good argument that states that is code not the equivalent of speech and if it is speech, does free speech actually exist? And why are you arresting somebody who wrote a whole lot of code when on the other side of it, you've got guys who have openly participated in the downfall of protocols in in in, in the billions of dollars and nothing's happened to them? 
you know, like direct, direct and clear, you know, culpability around something, yet those people aren't being arrested, yet developers who write code are. Um, so I think there's two things here. The, the first thing is that you're arresting somebody for writing code. Cool. Well, it's not cool, but that's the one point. And the second point is that you're not arresting people who are participating in in something that has cost people billions of dollars. So what is the precedent that you're setting as a lawmaker? Well, the precedent is that you're not willing to actually work through the arguments and discuss what's going on here and to establish, you know, what is fact from fiction. You're just kind of, it seems to me like a knee-jerk reaction. We've got this issue. There was a ban made by the U.S. government on, on this protocol, essentially on code, because there's not one person, there isn't anyone that's in charge of this thing. This is the thing about decentralization. There's not one person who's in charge. You can't go and arrest one person. Yes, there's a whole lot of people who wrote code around this, and it's, it's like going and arresting everybody who's running a Bitcoin miner because you've decided that you're going to ban Bitcoin. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to go and, and ban every single person who's running a Bitcoin miner, whether it's in a basement or whether it's in a warehouse with 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 rigs? Are you going to now go and arrest everyone? No, you're not, because that isn't what the, the discussion that needs to happen. Yeah, but so, I think their, their argument is that he's facilitated uh, money laundering and the money laundering has been, or the, the platform has been heavily used by the, uh, the, the the Koreans. So I always thought this was a bit of a, a political, potentially a political play um, from America. Yes, it is. Absolutely it yeah. is. But then it's the same as saying, well, somebody, somebody, somebody stole my credit card details and went and shopped on Amazon and bought a whole lot of flat screen televisions and we now need to ban the internet because they did that. It's the same thing, dude. You can't you can't do that from from the perspective of it's a tool, it's code. You can't go and blame the guy who wrote the code for something that somebody else did. It just makes no sense. Yeah, and like in the in the in the, the latest news and the update of it, it's um this from Coin Telegraph is like Wife of arrested tornado tornado cash death forbidden to speak with him. Rally organized. So there, so she's saying that they're now treating him as if he were a dangerous criminal, which he's he's just a dev and he's just a coder. But if you were to look at it from the extreme, he could be there facilitating cyber terrorism through money laundering with the Koreans, mm. which is probably why. They've taken such a stance. And I guess we don't know the the full ins and outs of, you know, who the dev was, you know, what his history was, if there was any like actual implications or if there was any like, you know, side hustles or whatever. Um, but when it comes to the actual crypto mixes, what do you think will happen now with them? Do you think they're going to have to get smarter or do you think, it's a, a part of the crypto industry that might just stay very taboo now. No, I don't think what it does is that, okay, so there's two things to this thing. What this thing does is that it really puts the, the, the idea and the necessity of privacy and all the issues around that and decentralization in the limelight. And it actually allows for, you know, a bad thing has happened and now the, the constructive discussions will happen because I'm generally, you know, I'd like to look at the positive side of this thing. And I think the positive side of this thing is that now it affords the opportunity 
for lawmakers, for regulators, for participants, for coders, whoever. So, so for all participants to sit down and actually set a precedent or to set a discussion forum with which then we can proceed to actually come up with the right regulations and the, the correct discussions to be had. Unfortunately, it took you know an extreme situation to bring this all to light, but unfortunately, that's the way that it always works. You know, you always have to have some kind of extreme event in order for the constructive stuff to happen. Um, and I think the second part to it is that in terms of your your your, your question around what's going to happen, I think a lot of the stuff will fall in line with what regulation demands, and then you'll always have, you know, the the dark side of it, or what some people, you know, those people who are making the law will will deem to be you know the dark side of it and you'll always have your your tornadoes who will be completely off the grid per se mm -hmm. and you'll still be able to do all of that kind of stuff because that's just the nature of humanity and the internet and you know people will always do the extreme you know on either side of it so um, i don't think it will really change but what will change and what is important in the space is that there will be clear regulatory guidelines around how this thing can happen and the majority will fall in line with that and that's you know if you want to mass adopt that's the only way that we can go about doing this so i'm once again i'm taking the middle of the road on this because i think that's yeah. the only way we can proceed in a positive way yeah no for i, no, I agree with you on that one so moving on let's Let's talk games because I know you're a nerd, I'm a nerd, and we've probably gone down like a wormhole of games quite a lot. Um, up now in the news is Fortnite developer supports Animoca subsidiaries blockchain racing game. So I'll read the, the headline here. So the indie game subsidiary has just received support from Epic Games, which is huge. Yes. Um, one of their upcoming blockchain powered P2E games. So um, play to earn racing games, talk to talk drift two. What are your thoughts on the big AAA game studios and developers now starting to finally get involved? Well, we obviously had Microsoft that, that said no to NFTs, which I think was, you know, once again, you know, Microsoft, you know, hampering their, their, their progress in the space. Um, and then you've obviously got Epic who are, they're epic. I mean, what have they ever not done anything like successfully? I mean, they've just everything they touch, just they get it right, you know. And if there's going to be anyone who's going to be an indicator to the space, you know, it's it's going to be epic and it's going to be Blizzard, and you know, those guys are the ones who are leading the charge. I mean, have Blizzard ever done anything wrong? Please remind me. Or no, they haven't. Have Epic done anything wrong? No. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about Blizzard here, but I think the precedent has been set with with what Epic are doing right now. And, you know, you can either pay attention and try and outdo them in terms of what it is that they're doing in the space, or you can just follow because they obviously know what it is that they're doing. And if you aren't paying attention to that, then guess what, sir? You're going to get left behind. Um, and it's just, it's just buying. You know, you and I are both on the same page around how you know, gaming has always been the innovator. It's always been the thing that has pushed the envelope, you know, since the beginning, since, you know, voodoo, voodoo graphics cards. Yes, I am old enough to remember those because I had one of those. I had a Voodoo 1 and Voodoo 2 graphics card. And the software followed. You know, the hardware was the one that actually, their hardware 
gaming hardware was the thing that actually pushed software development in the 3D animation space, in the 3D animation space. Um, along came NVIDIA after that. And look at where we are now. The Unreal Engine is 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 huge, you know, and it's once again, we're going to see gaming innovation, I believe, push mass adoption into the crypto space. How that looks like, I think we still, like, I think we even before early, I think it's kind of like really at its cellular level. It's not even embryonic yet in terms of how monetary value can be derived out of gaming. I think we don't have a clue, um, you know, but if you look at, where the Unreal Engine is in terms of development around, you know, kind of metaverse concept and and 3D animation. I think it will give us a really good idea as to where the graphics and the kind of like the sensory immersive aspect of gaming is. And then what follows from that will be how do we monetize this thing, you know, around whether it's streamers getting paid money, whether it's, you know, the virtual reality side of gaming you know what was that that amazing movie that was made recently off a book um player it was really cool where you basically put the goggles in and you experience kind of like a metaverse type of reality and i think that's where we're going you know and the question is how do we how do we derive monetary value from that is it going to be through ownership of assets within the game is it going to be you know the the Vitalik World of Warcraft sword scenario, you know, like in a decentralized space, can you create your own items that 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 accrue value in the NFT context? I don't know yet, but the the foundation is being set, and obviously your your gaming studios like Epic are definitely setting that up for while well, they're setting the runway and the precedent for that kind of stuff to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. Have you got that um, article up? You bring it up because there's a few quite there's a few. Um, Quite cool key points in it. Yeah, the man Kickstarter is uh, he's outside my front window again blowing. So if you hear any kind of blowing on, on camera today, I do apologize. I'm just bringing this article up. Um, it's on the screen at the top. That's why I'm looking up, obviously. So uh, please excuse my rudeness. And for some reason, it's not actually loading. Um, the internet is not complying. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but Coin Telegraph is fairly slow um yeah. let me just share but i do i do i do i do definitely agree we are in the pre-embryonic stages of crypto gaming so stage one was the scams stage two is now <laughs> we're actually building which is what i think you know these guys are doing this why we're starting to see a slightly greater adoption um and the one thing that i've noticed from a lot of games companies now or the ones that are building is they they're actually they've remembered what games are supposed to be and that's supposed to be fun so fun yeah. comes first and then everything else is second if we we've seen like in some of the previous games like if you got to spend like 500 bucks to start playing a game you're probably not going to want to play it but as the game goes on you're probably going to be more happy to spend 500 bucks on something shit for it um i read an article like a year or two ago when it comes to things like clash of clans and boom beach People would power level their little mobile, their little their little game, their little mobile device, and it would cost about ten to fifteen thousand US dollars to power it up from start to finish, which is huge. So if we can break down the the barrier at the start, I think that'd be great. But this guy here, he does put it, he does point it out quite well. Um, I've never said, "Hey, we do 
doing tonight let's play the new crypto game but i am hoping that over the next year or two that that is something that we see more of not say hey let's go play a crypto game it's like hey let's go play xyz game let's go play xyz um and i think part of it's going to be will be nfts have an nft feature and then what would be super cool is if these nfts are evolutionary so they kind of grow over time as you as you level up um and then yeah i just think it's i think we're in a, we're in a super exciting time because we're at that part that's not super beginning it's just after that so i think it's going to be going to be huge but they've just got to got to get it right i think yatsu i think him and animoca will do some good things for it especially if they keep getting people like epic games uh online and like if ubisoft go further into it as well I think one of the big one of the big things about about the whole gaming thing that that really got me down and obviously you know Vitalik was was bang on you know because he realized that you know I don't own this you know I've played this game I've spent a whole lot of money in it in terms of my subscriptions my time all these things and but ultimately I don't own this you know and this is the thing that's stated in this in this tweet is that I reiterated this just a day ago that most gamers don't realize that all the items they play with and have earned, they don't actually belong. They don't actually belong to the players. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest issues around this is that there needs to be ownership. And as soon as ownership is derived, then, you know, like it's the, the, the whole thing around like people who spend money on buying an account, whether it's a World of Warcraft account or whether yeah. it's you know, items or gold or whatever the case is. And it's like, why are you spending money in a game? But what people don't realize is that the money that they're spending in the game is in fact time. They're actually giving one form of time, which is money, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's fiat currency, whether it's Ethereum, and they're buying something else. Even though game developers do not allow the sale of accounts, the sale of accounts, there still is a market for them because ultimately time has value. And that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for anything else. If you think that you're paying for a magical sword or, you know, a an account that is leveled up, you're not actually paying for that. You're paying for the time. And then how do you derive time within the gaming aspect or, or in anything really? Because when you're working and you're doing work, you are essentially billing for your time. Doctors bill for time. Lawyers bill for time. It's no different. And all you're doing is that you you're, you are translating the time that you've spent into monetary value. Mm. And that's what's going on here. And that's how these games are going to carve their niche into society, whether it's through NFTs, whether it's through some form of token, whether it's some form of exchange. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're exchanging time and it goes from that point onwards. And I think that's where the starting point is going to be. And it's going to be really interesting, um, you know, where it lands up. I mean, imagine a Diablo-style version of the game which allows you to, you know, Diablo 5 for argument's sake. you got probably one of the most iconic gaming brands on the planet and, and, and stories and, you know, all these wonderful things that Diablo brings to the table and then you derive some kind of monetary value that goes back to the players. Imagine that as a business model. You know, that that could be huge. That could surpass any form of revenue that any game or any production or anything on that level has ever derived before. 
because now you have a vested interest from its players that then effectively become shareholders in the game. I mean, the mind just boggles yeah. in terms of what the potential is around that. Right. And I feel like, as I like, made one last uh, article, I think we should uh, address the merge. And has the, the rumor just been sold? Or oh, do you think we're going to see another pump running into it? Would you would you think what's your analysis on this? So are we doing like are we doing it? Are we kind of just going straight out of the straight out of the news into a predictory a predictory thing? I mean, a prediction thing is this? Is that what you're doing? Are you putting me on the spot here, mate? Hey, hey, you put me on the spot at the start. Is the SPH um, yes? Now, okay, so the situation now because I think the, that I think I think the weekly candle or the the candle we were looking at just now is a very good indication as to you know what the uncertainty is so that weekly candle that we were looking at the spinning top mm -hmm. um i honestly don't know i honestly i really really don't know where we where we are at the moment i think from a from a technical analysis perspective obviously you know i'm a big i'm a big follower of what what um you know guys like like don alt and um and his partner in crime uh, have come up with with cred, and they've come up with some really interesting, like you know, narratives around. We're in a range; the range is set, and we're just going to fluctuate between the range. And essentially, that that candle is is an indicator of of where we are at. You know, it's like we are sitting in the middle of of this range at the moment. It looks like we are, um, and it's just going to continue doing this. And that's what bear markets do. You know, we get this. It comes down to that whole thing that we were chatting about last week, I think it was, where we, we, we try and convince ourselves that, oh, it could be different this time and we're going to break this range and then we're going to keep on going up. And But what's happening right now is that we're once again being reminded that we're in a range and we're about to possibly go back down towards the lows. And then once we hit the lows again, we're going to land up going back up to the highs again and... To answer your question around ETH, I think ETH will continue to show relatively will be relatively stronger than the rest of the market because of this 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 merge that's coming up. But at the end of the day, it is part and parcel going to follow what Bitcoin does. And you know, if if it wasn't gonna okay, if it was gonna hit say thirteen hundred, it won't hit the thirteen hundred because of the merge, and it will probably maintain the you know your level that you've been talking about for a while now is that fifteen ninety level. So it won't go below that in terms of its its low on that because of the merge. But once the merge comes, I believe that we'll then revisit those lows again or close to the lows, which were just above a thousand or just below a thousand, if I remember correctly. Is that is that mm. right? Yeah. And, and what's, what's okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's a two it's a two way street here. I think that ETH is ultimately very much dependent on what Bitcoin does, but it won't do. It won't go as low as it potentially would have without the merge, and the merge is kind of keeping it at a higher level, if that makes sense. Am I making sense here? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because yeah, I think, so if yeah. you look at what Delphi um, put out as well, like the amount of actual Ethereum getting staked has just been going up. So even as the price has been going down, more of it's been being locked away. And even right now, we're at our highest level ever, which is closing in on about the 14 million um pieces of like ethereum staked yeah, which is yes. very very interesting to see so i don't know if these guys are just front running it or what and then we had that um 
or is it that whale wallet earlier in the week or towards the end of last week? 150,000, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Could you imagine your, your bag, bag of Ethereum being 150,000? Then he splits it yeah. up. I think I think he, he is one of these early ICO whales who obviously knows stuff. And I think if he's going to go and run a lot of validators, that, that would make sense because he can he can just make absolute bankroll off that. He'll make more money uh, validating um, a load of like nodes or whatever um, than he would just like selling all his ETH yeah. over the long term. So, so I think, I think Dan, um, you're 100% correct and it's in line with what Umami are doing. So that interview that we did with with Lex from the CEO of, of, of Umami, he's their next project. So at the moment, what they're doing is they're obviously deriving they're deriving the fees off their vaults from GMX. So GMX is their main source of revenue, and they're now looking at at nodes and Ethereum nodes and investing in that, and obviously staking and deriving fees off that as their next project. So you know, you talk about front running. Just look at what the guys are looking at in terms of where are they where are they going to get the real real yield narrative not the pessimistic kind of like you know like like scammy real yield this is real real yield you know mm -hmm. you're going to need validators you're going to need all of that stuff going on we're going into proof of stake right now um the proof of work's going out the window this is the next this, this is the next wave of earning those fees and you know, someone actually posted on on Twitter this week around. There's, I've seen a lot of fud around this merge. You know, like, you know, there's going to be chaos. There's going to be a whole lot of these unknown factors. How much of this ETH is is going to get unstaked, and how much of it is is going to get sold? Well, if the next narrative is going to be deriving fees and real, real, real yield um, around setting up these this validation and the nodes around that then why sell? Like you said, these guys are going to make more money doing this than selling for the long term. Because we know that this is this network ain't going anywhere. Um, it is the business. It is the business of where everything is going. And there's a reason why it's still around and why there's $100 billion staked on it. Um, mm. Mm. And it's not going anywhere. So it makes absolute sense that there is a strong argument to suggest that it's now completely deflationary. Why would it crash? Why would it go below $2,000? There's so much to support that argument as well. But unfortunately, yeah. but unfortunately, it takes markets a long time to realize this. And yes, I know it's probably priced in. I know, guys, you're saying that over and over again. But then why isn't it sitting at $3,000 in light of what it is that I've just said? You know, like, it's just so, so difficult to make a call so my call is that ETH will continue to to, to ride the coattails of of bitcoin whether that will change i don't think it'll change in the in the short to medium term but maybe it will in the long term i hope it does because i think ETH has got a lot to offer a lot more to offer at the moment than bitcoin does in terms of its its ability to to create mass adoption and more importantly for institutional investment which obviously is needed in order to get this this mass adoption. I will second that, but it is so. I, I had to because like when, when we started talking about the theorem chart right at the start of the, the show, we watched it. It got me really excited, and 
I've just I've just flicked, I've flicked it back on it. It's not that it's not the prettiest thing to, to see in the world, but yeah. It's... Super. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little TA afterwards on this. Um, but no, like yeah. So so yeah. I just got I just got I just got way overstimulated then from watching the chart. I'm really sorry. I completely... I warned. I actually warned you around this thing. I told you be careful. You didn't want to listen to me. Yeah, this is this is my this is my own charts, but that, that's oh. that's gonna be way too stimulating. So I'm the kind of person that like I, I I definitely don't have ADD or ADHD or anything, but I can get overstimulated really quick if there's too many things going on. I went to um so for my nan's 80th birthday uh, about like eight or nine years ago. She, uh, she took the whole family to Las Vegas and oh my days, that was the most overstimulating place for uh, for a young 20-something-year-old. Um, yeah, it was just crazy. It was good fun. Just good fun. Oh, Santos. Huh. Well, we should have bought Santos. That's what that's saying. We should have, absolutely. Anyways... Why? Thank you, thank you, sir, for your time. No problem. Ah, oh, one quick update. We are having a massive reshuffle of the uh, newsletter. Um, we'll release more details in the Discord first, but you won't get one today on Friday. You won't get one on Sunday because we're having a complete system change, revamp, rebrand, kind of a redesign, so then we can give everybody out there a lot more hidden alpha and a lot bigger, better stories it is footy Fan season boys it's fan token season my friend <laughs> god damn it so this is another really cool app for those of you who are wondering what this this is crypto watch um i was fortunate i was fortunate those season has ended it didn't last very long did it um, I was fortunate to alpha test this and then beta test this, this the mobile app and obviously the web app. These guys are awesome. Like Crypto Watch, if you don't use it, get it. Uh, great guys, great product. Um, yeah, I mean, we we not pay, we're not being paid to show this. This is from our personal experience. I mean, these guys are amazing. Um, yeah, and you can obviously, you know, from this from this dashboard, you can also go into you know market cap 24 hour changes so this kind of like brings coin market cap in a way better format you can then click on it and get the chart um you know it, it really is it's a functional website well it should work um yeah and it just shows everything i mean it's just such a cool website this oh nice mm. and then obviously you can also change the way that it looks as well like you can go like i've got wall street themes but there's so many different themes you know whatever you want standard um yeah it's just great oh, nice. great platform these guys and then you can also customize you know everything from from the lines to colors you can do everything it's just incredible this, this website God damn it. anyways um cool guys uh dan thanks for your time um thank you not particularly excited about what the market's doing at the moment. Um, but it is what it is. We're in this range. It's a bear market and we're just going to carry on building. Please guys like, and subscribe. We, we need to stay out of our mother's basement. So the more people that like, and subscribe, um, <laughs> help, help keep me out of the basement. 
<laughs> that helps keep Dan and myself out the basement. Um, but in all seriousness, we do appreciate it. The algos like it. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to bring more of this content to you guys. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter as well. It's free. Uh, the only, the only, the only thing is that we put one ad in there for our sponsors, so that we can obviously do what it is that we do, and we don't spam that on you. And there's always a lot of alpha in there. We've made some good calls over the last three or four weeks since we started the newsletter. And if guys were following those calls, they would have made themselves some good money. Obviously, everything that we discuss here is not financial advice. It's for entertainment purposes only. It's for our our entertainment and for yours. Uh, we obviously have a lot of fun most of the time, unless Bitcoin is nuking. Um, and yeah, hope you guys have a good weekend. And yeah, take it easy out there.